0: Let us pray. So here we are, the first day of the year 2023. Uh, Nothing really happened, Lord. (laughs) The clock just moved a second further. But we like new beginnings. We like to think that we can start afresh. We like to think that things can be different this year. Lord, but we know it's possible because certain things are under our control. A lot of things we can't control, but there are things that we can control. We can control how we think about life and how we live our life. We can decide to believe or not to believe. We can decide to take you along as we journey forward, or we can decide to try to do it on our own. We are here today, Lord, because we do not want to do it on our own. We know that that's not the wisest choice. So now we come and we say, Lord, as we gather in your name and as we come seeking your guidance and your will for us, that you will will give what we need to understand more about how you would like us to live our life in this year. So please, bless us Here's the words I need to share, that we may find in it the voice of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen. Normally, I do not start with the scripture reading, but today I am. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? That's us. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution, famine or nakedness or peril or sword, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the Word of our Lord. Be <laughs> God. January 1563, and a document is published, a document that these two guys really worked hard on, two young men who lives in Heidelberg in Germany. The gardener left, his name as Zacharias Ursinus. He was a professor in theology at university in Heidelberg. Caspar Olivianus, he was the pastor of the church in Heidelberg. And they were given a task the year before. And this is now, how many years is this ago? It is 460 years ago that this happened. But the year before, they were given a task to come up with a document. A document that would, in a sense... Help the church understand who they are. Help the people who attend the church to understand what is their identity as Christians and how to cope and how to deal with life in the year then, 1563. And the document that they prepared for us that we are going to look at today and start with a series on this is the Heidelberg Confession or Catechism. Now, now if you look at this picture here, you can see this guy, it's, it's, it's really an old picture, but you can see this guy looks worn out and he's carrying this heavy burden. And, and he has this walking stick, he looks a little bit like George when we had to climb the Himalayas there in Nepal. Is, ah, that's George, at this where's George? George, I always want to show a picture of you, yeah, you go, okay, that's how he looked, I, that, that's George, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just kidding. But if you look at this guy, you can see a guy who's tired, who's overwhelmed, who's struggling with a burden. That's why they had to prepare this document. You see, in the year 1563, things were not always that easy. The Reformation took place a while ago, and there's a lot of controversy, a lot of arguments taking place between people about what is it that we believe as Christians but while they were talking about these things, the Roman Catholic Church were coming after them because they were persecuted. The moment when you break away from the church during that time, you broke away from the state and you were seen as the enemy of the state. So to be a Christian was extremely dangerous for many groups and many people. Christians or people, part of the Reformed tradition, they were killed by the thousands in France. Now the people that are living in Europe are, in a sense, trying to find out what does it mean to be a Christian. And then these two guys came up and they wrote the Heidelberg Catechism. The word catechism is a very interesting word. It's a word that actually means echo. So if you would stand on a mountain and you would yell, Hello! Then hello comes back. They chose this word specifically because they say what we are doing here is we are in a sense proclaiming God's word and it echoes back. So every single thing I'm going to say today, I could have had the scripture reading constantly, but every sentence of what I'm going to preach about or say has a scripture reading behind it because that was the purpose of the Heidelberg Catechism. is actually then to help people understand God's word for us as we look like this guy and we try to move forward through life. And the way they compiled this document is through a uh, uh, question-and-answer format. They said the best way is we are trying to figure out what are the questions that people would ask about life. So let's think, what is it that, if we would ask you guys, what are your questions about the Bible and about life and living? And they came up with the questions, and then they came up with a biblical answer. I think they gave the first question a lot of thought. Because this is their first question, the top part. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Now think, think about this just for a moment. That's a very personal question that they are asking here. They are actually looking you and me in the eye and they said, So Ferdy, where are you going to find meaning in your life? Where are you going to find purpose in your life? Where are are you going to actually find the resources to deal with the complexity of life? Because the fact that you are a part of the church and the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ, the fact that you are a follower of, of God doesn't mean your life is going to be simple. That is nowhere to be said in the Bible or to be found in the Bible. So where do I go to? What do I do if my life starts to turn sideways? A few years ago, on January the 4th, my um, nephew was killed in a car accident. 33 years old with two beautiful children. I remember that on that New Year's Day, I called my sister and I said to my sister, oh, just a happy new year and I hope you guys will have a blessed year and I spoke to her and to the family and I... Prayed that morning on the 4th of January. I remember for him and his family by name. He was killed that day. So what do you do then as a Christian? You see, that's the moments in life when we as Christians also start to ask us the question, so where is God in the midst of this? And that is what these guys dealt with when they were writing this document. They said, but we are with people that is going to struggle with life in its, in its essence. And I think that is why we are in so much trouble in this country because people do not have the answer to this question. If you do not have the answer to this question, you think, okay, it must be in something that this world offers me and some people find it in a tablet they're going to take today or something they're going to sniff today. Or maybe in a few bottles of alcohol that they need to drink today to help them get through the day. Do you know how many people start to drink at 10 a.m. in the morning because they just just can't face life anymore? Because it's hard. It's difficult. Rejection. Resentment. All of those things will find its way into your life from people and from this world that we live in. Now these two guys come in this document and they say, so where will you find Comfort, and I I, I, I chose this specifically, this slide. Because normally when you hear the word comfort, it's like flying first class. (laughs) That's comfort. The Bible doesn't help us with first class. No, no, economy, way in the back, next to the bathroom, that's where you many times find yourself on this journey. But what does comfort mean? What this question means is, so, so if you wake up in the morning and your life is like this dark thing in front of you, and you do not know if you've got the emotional energy to face what's lying ahead of you, how will you be able to go through this day by knowing that somebody is putting his or her arms around you? You know, I said to Louise, on Wednesday, I'll have my third funeral in two weeks. I, 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 and, and it sometimes happens like this, that they are almost no funerals, and then suddenly they come one after the other. And time and time again, when you deal with a funeral, you deal with people that are in, in sorrow. They are grieving. It's, it's painful. And, and, and I was in the hospital when the person almost died. And, and, and what you do is you put your arm around them. And I physically do. I put my arm around them, and I said, I'm really sorry you guys are going through this. If you need anything, we are here to help. Not only me, but our whole congregation is behind you. Cindy Boone, I spoke to last night, or uh, yesterday at length. I said, Cindy, you're not alone in this. Her husband can't really support her because of an illness he has. He said, this whole church family is there, for you know this, you're not alone as you journey forward in this crisis that's also no part of your life. And that's what this question says. Because all of us need this. There are countless of people who say that I, I don't need people in my life. I can get through life on my own. Try. You can't. We're not created like this. And then the answer comes. Now, let me, let me <laughs> stop here. So, these things are questions and answers. And I thought, okay, I'll do the whole question one and answer today. I think that will not be possible. So I will go as far as I can because there's a few other things that need to happen like communion. So at some point I'm going to end. And if it sounds like in the middle, it's because I will continue next week. We will have a week-long commercial break and then we will continue. (laughs) Right, so there is the answer. Somebody has a hearing aid that we just need to adjust a little bit. That I belong body and soul in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven not, not, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on, to live for Him. That I belong, body and soul, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the problem with us? That we want freedom. I want to be free of everything. Most of us. I don't want anyone to ever tell me that I can't do something. I heard a horror story again on Friday night when we visited a person who was a teacher at quite an institution. And where somebody was fired because this teacher was honest with a child, and an issue. And the parents came in and they complained and said, well, the teacher was too hard on this child, and the teacher was not wrong. And they decided to fire the teacher because he was honest about what was going on with this in this person's life. And now that whole program has collapsed. Of course, this teacher was actually teaching, well, he was doing something extracurricular and that whole program has collapsed. You see, we want total freedom. We do not want anyone to tell us what to do. Isn't that what was the reason why Eve left the garden? And Adam? You you see, when, when the Lord said, you, you can eat from all the trees. You can, you can live life to its fullest. But just leave certain things alone. Because the moment when you touch this thing, it's going to separate you from me. What do we do? We go to that thing. Because we think if we take that thing that the Lord says not to touch, I can get the freedom that I want. Because that's what Satan told Eve. He says, if you eat from this, you can be a little bit like God and you have total freedom and control over your own life. And don't tell me Adam and Eve did not know they were going to lose the presence of God when they made this decision. God warned them. And the same applies to us today. I want to go through life without anyone or anything telling me how to live my life, what is right, what is wrong. I want to do my own thing. The cry for freedom is the thing that surrounds us about everything. I need to be free to choose about everything, my own identity, my own sexuality, my own everything. I am the one that needs to be in control. I read a a commentary on this, and a guy said, You know, their own self is the worst dictator that you can live under. Your own self. Because you are not as kind to yourself as you think you are. Because the sense of total freedom actually brings new constraints, and new pain, and hardship, and problems. And that's why this answer is sort of surprising. You know what is my comfort in life and death. I'm a slave in a sense it says. I'm a slave, a word that people do not even want to use in the year 2023 anymore because of all the connotations. But it's a biblical word that in this context is applicable. Because in this context, and the Bible tells me this, I am owned by someone. I belong to someone, like a child belongs to our family, not like a slave belongs to a uh, owner that whatever. But I am owned by someone. I need to give myself away. This answer says to someone that is way greater and bigger than I am. I am giving up my freedom, and only then I can start to maybe discover this comfort that I'm looking for. Who am I owned by? The answer says by my, my Savior. You see, this is where faith comes to play a role. Um, We are a body of believers. My parents were believers. My grandparents, I think, were also believers. I didn't know them. They all died before I was born. Never had a grandma or grandpa in my life. Don't know what it means. But they can't save me with their faith, can they? You, You see, what saves me is My faith. It's it's my giving my own freedom away then, or myself away, to the story that I find in the Bible, this gospel story of Jesus Christ. And that's why these guys in their wisdom wrote down and says, I belong to my Savior, not, not the Savior, but mine. You see, a lot of people refer to God as God. You know, I know God, God's there, but God should be your God. Because He's a personal God that wants to relate to us and connect with us. If there's no personal connection, then there's almost nothing. Then they came in in their hands and they said, you belong to your personal Savior, the faithful one. And in a sense, they struck a chord there. Because we are the unfaithful ones. (laughs) Every year we started to say, Lord, I'm going to go to the gym. I am going to lose some weight this year and a gym will see me and you, you can ask these gym membership people. They know well. They sign you up with a special by March. Nobody is there anymore. But the membership rolls on. That's, that's how, how it works. We struggle to, to keep our commitments in many different ways because it's difficult to change your behavior. To change behavior means that you actually need to do the same thing for six weeks in a row. Before This is part of psychology before you will actually create a new habit or a new, new trait. Six weeks, constantly, you need to do the same thing. We are the unfaithful ones. Every year, Lord, this year I'm going to give myself to you, I'm going to come a little bit more to church, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to pray more. March comes, I got busy with life and all the things. And this answer, in a sense, says, what would happen if God would deal, us, deal with us in the same way that we deal with Him? that my life starts to turn terrible. And I have this complete loneliness, a, a, a godlessness in my life because God got busy. God got busy with all the things that he needs to do in his universe and, oh, Ferdy, I'm so sorry, I wanted to be there with, for you, but oh, man, I was busy on this side, busy with Doug, I'm just kidding, where's Doug? There's Doug, yeah. I, I no, no, Sam, Doug, whatever, all of them. <laughs> You see, these music people, they need God's attention a lot. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But you understand what I'm trying to say is that, that this faithfulness has to do with the fact that God is the faithful one. There's nothing. There is but nothing that you and I can do to get, get God from stop loving you. Nothing. There's nothing that you and I can do to stop God calling out behind us. There is nothing that anyone can do. The worst possible person in this world can do nothing for God not to reach out to him or her and say, I also want to save you. Because God is faithful to His promises and He says in John 3, I sent my son to this world so that people can be saved. But then I need to take His hand. And now these writers, these writers came and they said, what's my comfort? That I'm going to actually give myself, who I am, my life, my journey to someone that is way more faithful than I can ever be. And his faithfulness lies in the fact that he says, you are so important to me that I gave my son to die for you. So, so what, my, what more must I do to show you that I deeply care for you? Why would you not trust me with your life? Because I'm the trustworthy one. I'm the one. That had my son hang on a cross and bleed out. That you can be called the child of God. And that's a biblical thing in the book of Hebrews and Galatians and in Romans. You will find that, find that the Bible says. And he came and he paid the ransom for our sins. Because we are with our sinful life and our brokenness. We are in, we are in trouble with God. We are. We are. And only through Christ we can be free. We can be free because he took our place. You know, I, I, and I'm going to end with this. I, I'll go to the next section next week. It's like sitting in, a, in, a, in, in, in prison and, and you're on death row. And they say, you need to, you'll, you'll be executed on Friday. And it's terrible. On Friday morning they come and they walk you down the, the hall. And guys are banging their things. But then as you come to the execution room, they open a door and they say, you can leave. And you realize that this door leads to the outside of the prison. And you say, but no. I, 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 I'm supposed to go into this. They said, no, this is someone else that's going to be killed now. He came and he said, I'll die for that guy. Let him, let him go. It's okay. And, and I asked, who's that guy? And they said, no, his name is Jesus. But I don't know him, but no. He said, he'll die for you. He knows your name. And he said, I want you to live your life and only to realize that someone thought you so valuable, even though you are so broken, that I would die for you. Now I'm outside of the prison. I'm outside. Am I guilty? Yeah. But I'm free. I'm still guilty. But I'm completely free. I can go and vote, and I can go and buy a car, and I can do, live my life because I'm outside now. Because somebody else took the whole burden of what I did wrong on him that I can be outside. That's what the statement says. That's what the statement says. That you and I sit in this church and we are guilty. Of course we are of sin. We are stupid. And I'm going to be stupid again tomorrow. I promise you. You ask Louise. I may be stupid today already after church. You can ask Louise. He will tell you. There will be something I will do that will not be always in the Lord's eyes, and my wife's eyes, great. Um, we all are terribly broken people. But do I need to live in fear? No. I am free. Because Christ Jesus paid for me, and the only thing He asks of me is to say thank you. And then live like someone that recognizes that the freedom that I have has a huge price. Therefore, I would leave that prison and go and say, people say, Ferdy, what are you doing out in the street? You're supposed to be in the dirt by now. And I would say, no. There's someone there. His name is Jesus. And he made it possible for me to be out. And that Jesus says, I'm so important to him that he will do it for me. And you know what? He will do it also for you. Even though you are not on death row, you actually are. He will also do it for you because you are as important. We are facing 2023. I really hope and I pray all of us will have a blessed and fantastic year. But I can give you no guarantee today whatsoever, as I never had a guarantee in my life as a Christian, as a pastor, as someone that loves the Lord with all my heart, that things will always work out exactly the way I want it. That's later on, maybe two sermons from now. We'll get there. But this I want to promise you. There's someone that is today saying to you and to me, I want you to know that I have already come alongside you and I've already placed my arm around you. I am going to walk with you because you're my child. You saw these little ones this morning. They are just growing now in numbers. But it's the most fantastic thing is to, to have these little ones and when you see they're going to fall, you say, no, 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 do this. And you pick them up and lift them and take care of them. The Lord says, this is what I want to do for you. I want to take care of you. Of course, this world is complex and serious, dangerous. But at the end of the day, I want you to have fun. I want you to laugh and to enjoy with my arm around you. Firdi, what is going to be your comfort in life, maybe when you need to face death this year? Maybe not your own, but the death of people close to you, or wherever. My comfort lies in the fact that I'm owned by the one who died for me on the cross and says, why will I let you fall? I'm on a journey with you and in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your trial, I've got you. Walk tall, live with a smile. You have an owner in heaven that will take care of you. Amen. Amen. I'm a third through my sermon. So you must be glad I said amen by now. Otherwise, you would still here by 4 p.m. this afternoon. So, I, 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 I. so I'm going to continue next week with the Heidelberg Categor- uh, yeah, as we are doing now, and then we will go on and on and on and on.